we want to wrap up this morning our series on prayer. And if you'll put that first slide up, Paul thought maybe it was a mistake. Um, it's really not. So we started 40 days of prayer uh, in January 1st, and then we went to prayer 201. What else the Bible has to say about prayer? And we looked at that for just a couple of weeks, but I just want to review with you quickly some of what we talked about and just hit some of the highlights of what we've talked about in the last few weeks. We said when making requests to God, and then there were four things that we pulled right straight out of Scripture. Number one, pray confidently. I think we took that from Hebrews chapter four. We come boldly to the throne of grace. So I, I skipped a slide. Go back to that slide. There's one point for this morning, and it's pray. We can talk about prayer, or we can just pray. So would you pray? And let's talk about what we mean by that now. When making requests to God, Hebrews 4 teaches us to pray confidently. One of the first things that people get hit with when they hear the word prayer is guilt. And then the second thing they get hit with is shame. And there's no way you're gonna be confident if you're filled with shame. No way you're gonna be confident if you're filled with guilt. But Hebrews says, because of Jesus, we can come with confidence to the throne of grace. So get rid of the shame, get rid of the guilt. It's not a duty, it's a privilege, and it's a pleasure. Number two, we ask repeatedly. We saw that story that Jesus told about the guy who comes and just keeps knocking and just keeps knocking, keeps asking, keeps asking. God wants us to come with our requests. Come humbly, Jesus in Philippians 2 teaches us that we're to come to God with humility. And then number four, trust completely. And then the next week we talked about the parable in Matthew 18 uh, about the guy who gets forgiven and then doesn't want to forgive. And we were looking at the Lord's Prayer where it says to forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we talked about how, how can we come to God in prayer if we don't forgive others? And how Jesus says that if you don't forgive, if you don't forgive those who sin against you, then your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Seems very, he's very serious about this forgiveness piece. So we must forgive those who have sinned against us. The next week we talked about prayer as spiritual warfare. And we talked about how if you're going to work and you take your toolbox with you and you leave the most important tool out of the toolbox, you get to the job and what do you got? You, you don't have what you need. And prayer is a really important tool in this whole area of spiritual warfare that it's not just, all, it's not just a downhill sledding situation, it's an uphill climb. The Christian life and living in the culture we're in is an uphill climb and we need prayer to help us to get up that hill. It acknowledges that we're helpless when we pray. It's a recognition of our own limited abilities, and it's a means of asking God to step in and help us. And then a couple weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7, and I said that if, if we're going to pray, we should also notice how we talk about and how we think about those who we consider enemies. 
We should notice how we think about and interact with those who are needy. What's our attitude toward the poor? How we pray and whether our prayer life is actually drawing us closer to God or is it just a going through the motions. How we act and when, when, how we act when we do good things for God and for others. Do we take the credit for that or do we give glory to God? And then how do we feel about our wealth? How do we feel, what are we, what are we placing our confidence in? All of these impact our prayer life when we come to God. If we're not placing any confidence in God, if we, if we don't have to trust God because we've got enough, we're rich, we have what we need, we don't need to trust God. We have to cultivate that heart of trust to God and understand that tomorrow the bottom could drop out of the dollar and we may not have that much. The whole economy could crash. We, who know, You know what? We could go to war next week and everything could be in disarray. We could be like Ukraine. Who knows? We don't know. We don't know. So what, are we, what and who are we putting our trust in? You know me. I'm generally not an alarmist. I don't think we're going to war next week. But it wouldn't be the craziest thing in this world right now, would it? It really wouldn't. So let's practice putting our trust in God more than in what we've been able to amass or our own ability. And then from Romans chapter 8, we saw that the context for prayer is this groaning, expectant hope, this partnership with the intercession of the Holy Spirit, and then the transformational power of Jesus. Prayer is not just this obligatory duty that we fulfill, but it's actually a life-changing practice that helps us to get through what we're going through and to change us in the process. From Hebrews chapter two, we saw that the relationship in prayer is that of a family, that God is our father, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and Jesus is the elder brother. Jesus is our brother. There's this familial talk and this familial atmosphere around prayer. In Ephesians chapter six, the attitude for prayer is alertness to keep watch, that we do have an enemy, that there is someone who's after us, who would like to see us fail and be defeated, and that God is there through prayer to help us. And he says that prayer helps us to be alert, again, to admit that we could be in trouble, that we need God to be alongside of us. And then from 1 Peter 4, we, we saw that the urgency to pray follows suffering. When we've suffered, there's an urgency in our prayers and that the heart of prayer is submission. And then from Matthew chapter seven last week, we saw that God wants us to come to him with our requests because he's a giving God. He's not gonna disregard our needs. He wants to meet our needs and he absolutely promises to give us what we need in order to accomplish what he's called us to do. It's not like, well, if he'll help us. No, he will help us. He has promised when we pray in Jesus' name according to God's will. And then in Philippians 4, we saw that an active prayer life full of requests is actually what God blesses and what he uses uh, to be the source of our own inner peace. Now, this morning, 
real quick in Ephesians chapter one, there's this long from verse three to verse 14. There's, I think it's the longest sentence in the New Testament in the original language. God be blessed. Boom, boom, he goes on another 13 verses. Then you get to verse 16. After saying all this great stuff about God and how he has blessed us and what he has done for us in our relationship with him, he says, Paul says to the Ephesians, I have not stopped thanking God, giving thanks uh, for you, remembering you in my prayers, and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It's good for us to pray for each other that we would know God better, that we would know him better. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. There's some imagery there, right? The eyes of your heart. You can see, not just with your eyes, but you can see with your heart that it would be enlightened. In order that, you may know the hope to which he has called you. Don Rethmeyer never wants anybody to fuss over him. He didn't want me to share, but then his wife Joyce, with her characteristic smile and twinkle in her eye, she says, don't pay attention to that. You can let people know that Don is in hospice care right now at home. And I was able, somebody alerted me, thank you, and I was able to visit with him yesterday. Um, but we talked about the hope. This is that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Now that's a pretty general word here because it encompasses a lot. But for a farmer, an 89, almost 90-year-old farmer who farmed for 57 years, to know that this earth is going to be restored and redeemed, it's going to be new, it's going to be made new, minus and absent the curse of sin, uh, absent the sweat of the brow, the weeds, and and then the toiling, and that in heaven, heaven, when heaven and earth come together, it's going to be a lot different than what he experienced for 57 years. And I think probably Iowa farmers are some of the best suited on the planet to understand this new heaven and new earth and imagine what it could be like to sow and harvest, to plant and then reap what you've sown. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. It's not going to be floating on clouds doing nothing. God made us to work and he told us to rule over the earth and to produce fruit, to be fruitful. And so Don and I got to talk about that. If you, if you know Don and Joyce, um, you would know what to do, whether you needed to make a phone call or, or a visit. Uh, but you for sure pray for him that he would know the hope to which he's been called. I told him, Don, the thousands of hours of pastors droning on and on and on you must have sat under over the years. He's been a part of Community Heights for a long time. I said, you know what, where they, were, where they and I were preaching the scriptures, it's all true. You get to see the reality of that real soon. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's the second thing, that they would know the riches 
that they would know his, in verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. There's this power that it goes on to say that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power that he gives us. So this reality of prayer, as we pray, we draw closer to God, we get to know him better. As we pray, God acts and God works and God does things. As we pray, we grow in our faith and our understanding of Jesus. I found some quotes, and I haven't used any of these throughout this series, so I saved five of them for the last. And here they are. Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And all of these are challenging to me. Andrew Murray said, just, just think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people. And think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things when you pray. Samuel Chadwick was a preacher about 100 years before all of us. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. St. Francis, I don't know how you pronounce the last part of that. He was French and Italian. He's actually a Catholic saint. But he was trying to lead the church back during the Protestant Reformation. He was known for trying to gently lead people into unity. That didn't really work, but here's what he said about prayer. If the heart wanders or is distracted, bring it back to the point quite gently and replace it tenderly in its master's presence when you're praying. And even if you did nothing during the whole of your hour, but just keep bringing your heart back and placing it again in our Lord's presence, though it went away every time you brought it back, your hour will be very well employed. Now, I don't know if he's right, but I hope he is, because that's encouraging. For somebody with ADD like me, and maybe like you, that's encouraging to me, that just keep, just keep bringing our attention back. And if you're praying and your mind wanders, when it wanders, just, just bring it back. And then somebody closer to our time, Max Lucado says, our prayers may seem awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Well, the one point of this message, again, on the screen, is just to pray, to pray. Will you pray? Will you, like, when uh, years ago, I used to take a roll of quarters and I'd go to the phone booth in town because me and my fiance were, who is now my wife, were separated by hundreds of miles. And every Thursday night, I would go to the phone booth and I would put in the quarters and they would get us a conversation that would go about 52 minutes, $10. Well spent? Yeah. Back when there were no cell phones or any other way to communicate and I'd have that 52 minutes. 
I thought that was fantastic. We, we love that. We, we, just want, we just wanted to talk, just to hear each other's voice. I remember, this is a little more disgusting, but I remember when my daughter told me that her and Josh one time got on the phone when they were, they were um, uh, getting to know each other. I think they might have even been engaged by this time. They were like seven hours apart. They were on the phone for eight hours. Overnight, through the night, they were on the phone to like five in the morning. Eight hours. It's horrible, isn't it? But they just, when you're in love, when you're in love, right? And then you get married. Amen, all you married folks, right? The last time you sat and talked with your spouse for eight hours. Now, is it fair to compare something like that with prayer? Does that, is that a setup? Not really. There really isn't. Because if we love God, we'll see that he, he just wants us to talk with him. He's not demanding this, 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 and this, and you better, you better hopscotch through this just right and don't get your foot over the line. No, he just wants to be with us. So he wants us to come out to the phone booth. He's already paid for it. We can go out anytime. Just pick up the phone and, oh, you're here. You're still here. He's always on the line. So just spend some time with God, and as we do that, we grow closer to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that prayer is free to us, but that you paid the price. That through your shed blood, Lord Jesus, you paid for us to have a relationship with you. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning who has never placed their faith or trust in Jesus to take their sins away, to make them new, to give them new life, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in their heart, that they would come to faith in Jesus. God, as we go out today, Lord, help us this week. Help us to pray. Help us to meet with you. Help us to pick that receiver up and just to talk to you, to spend that time with you because you just want us to be with you. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us opportunities to serve you and to serve others this week. That you'd bring into our path some divine interactions and divine appointments and help us to give away what you've given us to share. Whether that's love or resources or just time to be with others. God, I thank you for those who were baptized this morning. God, I pray that they would love you and serve you and obey you for the rest of their life. Pray your blessing on them. And I thank you, God, for their public profession of their faith in Jesus. And Lord Jesus, it's you that we worship this morning. It's you that we praise. In your name we pray, amen.